say thank you so much for being with us, Jill. Hi, everybody. Was here three weeks, remember me? It's good to be back. So um, we're continuing, aren't we, our series on emotionally healthy spirituality, and I've got chapter seven. I don't know if any of you are looking at this book, um, but chapter seven, and that's the, the title of chapter seven, Enlarge Your Soul Through Grief and Loss. It is the greatest privilege to talk on this subject, <laughs> but it's also cha a challenging subject, because I don't know if we talk about it very much. Um, so I'm going to start with some scriptures and some of my favorite scriptures. And God is really already speaking to us. He's already spoken to us. He's going to keep speaking. So keep listening to him as you listen to Jesus through me. So the first scripture I want to read is from Isaiah 61. And it's about how the Holy Spirit um, is promised. And it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. These are such well-known verses, aren't they? To comfort, to comfort all who mourn, giving them beauty instead of ashes and the oil of gladness instead of mourning. So you see already there's something here that God is saying about wanting to do some kind of exchange. And a bit like, um, I don't know your name at the, uh, the desk. What was Chris, you, you told us your name. Chris was already saying he made an exchange yesterday. He heard God say about his guilt and his shame and that he could leave it with him. He could let go of it. Well, this is the same idea because I just love this brilliant um, image. It's, it's a very painful image, isn't it, of a cross. But that cross, there is an exchange, and that's what I'm going to be unpacking a little bit, that God says um, that he wants to take our sorrow and our grief and the tough stuff that happens, and he wants to release something to us. There's a, there's a letting go of something and a bringing something, and there's a receiving something. Um, and the Holy Spirit, you know, we say the Holy Spirit's released in healing. The Holy Spirit comes and give us, gives us words for the church and all kinds of stuff. But the Holy Spirit is available. One of the major releases of the Spirit is to comfort. And not just comfort Christians, <laughs> but comfort out there as well. So that's the Isaiah scripture. And a very similar scripture in Matthew chapter 5 is... Um, Blessed are those, you know, the happies, blessed are those who mourn. I mean, how ridiculous. How can you be happy if you mourn? I mean, it's, it's topsy-turvy, isn't it? Blessed are you if you're mourning. For what's going to happen to you? You'll be comforted. And that's not just something we understand in our heads, but can... What I want to talk about a bit today is how we receive that in our hearts. Because I don't know about you, I'm not that interested in something that doesn't actually work in my life. So there's two scriptures, and then if I can get this to work, you said click something, Kristen, and I forward. There we go. Wonderful. So can we read this together? And in the Old Testament, the uh, Israelites used to stand up to um, 
read the scripture, but I'm not going to ask you to stand up, but really project your voice. Um, this is from the message, and this is uh, obviously Revelation 21. So let's start together. I saw heaven and earth new created, gone the first heaven, gone the first earth, gone the sea. I saw holy Jerusalem new created, descending resplendent out of heaven, as ready for God as a bride for her husband. I heard a voice thunder from the stone. Look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. They're his people. He's their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death is gone for good. Tears gone, crying gone, pain gone, all the first order of things gone. The enthroned continued, look, I'm making everything new. Write it all down, each word dependable and accurate. What a picture, what a picture. This is life as God likes it. And we are living in that middle phase where we don't see everything as God likes it. But this is where we're headed. This is where we're headed. I think that is, it's amazing. It's amazing. So I want to say a few things in introduction, which is, you know, what sense can we make of grieving? What, why do we experience it? And, and do we just need to pray and get rid of it? because it's painful. Um, why do we experience it? And I think one of the biggest challenges in our Christian life often is when bad stuff happens in our lives because I don't know about you, but what I tend to do is ask a million questions, want lots of explanations as to why, why me, why now, why them, why is this happening? Um, and then I blame God sometimes or I blame other people and then I, don't, I don't, haven't lost my faith. I have stayed <laughs> faithful to God. But actually, many people that I know have lost their faith through something difficult happening. And I remember in my 20s and 30s, I think I had this basic motto in my life, which was, nothing should go wrong. Now, I wasn't, you know, I, I wouldn't have, if someone had said that to me, I'd think, oh, how ridiculous, of course. But actually, that is how I operated. Nothing must go wrong. And it was only when I, and you've talked about um, hitting the wall, it was only when stuff did go wrong that I, what was in me rose up. I didn't like much like it. Um, so, you know, what, what is the, it's, it's like treating, um, when something difficult happens, we treat it like an, well, certainly I did, an alien invasion. Um, that interrupted my life and that this shouldn't happen. Why did I think that when actually it's very, very clear and the Bible says that we are going to experience tough stuff. We really are going to, if we're not, um, being a Christian does not protect you from the tough stuff. We do have protection and we can pray for protection, but we will grieve. There'll be things in our lives that mean that we will grieve. So loss, if you like, is a normal part of the journey of life not an alien invasion it's not nothing should go wrong it will go wrong because it's part of living and we have to get real we have to get real when you think about um, we, we often with a bereavement we know that 
that's, we know that's a loss when we physically lose somebody. We, we acknowledge that we have, we're experiencing a loss. But it's those little things like when we are separated, maybe a friend moves out of London, um, we're separated. Um, when we go through a tra transition, maybe we're moving job or maybe something's happening, that's, that's another loss, but we don't always notice it. Um, disappointments. Remember, it hit me, in, I think it was in my 40s, I'm thinking in decades because I'm heading rapidly to 70, and I, I remember, I'm sort of reflecting on my life, and in my 40s, I remember thinking, um, oh, I've forgotten what I was thinking, we're going to say then. <laughs> That's because I'm heading towards 70. <laughs> anyway, um, it'll come back to me, I'm sure. Um, so... <laughs> Separations, transitions, losses, disappointments, these are as much losses as bereavements. So let me, if that is the case, and I think that un knowing how to navigate these losses in our lives is one of the most important spiritual and emotional tasks, and yet nobody really trains us for it or talks about it, or, well, we model it. I think we do model some things really well in church, um, but we do need to notice these things. So let me just define. I'm going to talk about grief and loss. Um, loss, the state of being deprived of or without something that you have had. It's obvious, isn't it? But I just wanted to say that. I won't read the second bit because it's a bit complicated. Oops, missed or grief. So loss is the state of losing something, but grief is the emotional reaction to it. And we are meant to have, we will have, unless we block it, an emotional reaction to it. So rationally, when these things happen, we may have un might have understood that something's happened, but there's an emotional process that we need to go through that helps us to catch up with the reality that something has happened. And that emotional process can be quite messy. Um, and so, if you like, grief is a kind of adaptation process where we adjust to the reality that we, we, life is not the same. Something has happened. We're disappointed. We're in, somebody's moved or something. the coordinates on our map have changed. And that's... Our emotions help us to catch up with it, and I'll explain a bit more about that. But sometimes, um, if we don't feel the loss, we will get stuck. And some of you know that I work as a psychological counsellor, so I have worked with many people processing their losses. And I'll tell you about one of them, who um, I have her permission to tell her, her story. But I was working in a GP surgery as a counsellor, and the doctor sent this lady to me, and doctors usually um, sign people off with stress, which is one of those <laughs> cover-all things. And this lady um, was very, very distressed and in a great deal of stuckness, <laughs> if you like. And what had happened was she got signed off. Um, she, well, she was about to be signed off. She's going to be made redundant. And being made redundant meant that she would lose, she would have to sell the family home. And she had lived in the family home for many, many years. And her, her parents, she was single, she had lost both parents 10 years ago, and she had, 
she had not grieved for them. When they died in the same year, she wrapped all the, this is quite a, an unusual story, she wrapped all the furniture in polythene, everything except her bed, <laughs> and she could use the kitchen. And she'd filled the house with cats and dogs. So this lady was stuck in her grief. And what she, it, wasn't, it was stressful, but it was really delayed grief. And it was the greatest privilege to walk with this woman. It was a very difficult process, um, but learn to feel. Because unless we feel, we can't process the grief. And it's not, uh, we're not being unspiritual, because this is a normal human process. And if we don't sometimes go through the feelings of grief, and you know, we keep saying, certainly church should be a place where we celebrate, but we also weep and we cry uh, and we are together in that and we can share it because that's what I think the body of Christ is about. So I want to take a quick step back and um, just say one or two things about um, the sort of big corporate grief that we're all experiencing at the moment. The futurists um, are calling this an age of grief. Um, and when you think about the things that we have experienced, that was such a beautiful prayer, Jill. And you were really naming the things that are happening in our world. And we, we I think, are going through a time of speeded up change. You know, there's some deco decades when nothing seems to matter, change much, does it, or happen. And there are other decades where, wow, and, and what is happening at the moment just seems extraordinary, isn't it? I, you know, you were listing some of them in, in your prayer, Jill, and, you know, Brexit, a pandemic, um, political and economic turmoil, war in Europe, um, all of that against the backdrop of Black Lives Matter, the pain in the black community, Me Too, uh, the possible breakup of the British Isles, the death of Queen Elizabeth, so many things. I don't know about you, but it's, it's, we're, it's reeling, isn't it? It's like a tsunami of losses that we're experiencing. And I think that is why s some people have called it a time, of, a time of grief, an age of grief or an age of an anxiety, if you like, because I think grief and anxiety are very linked. Now, I think this is not, this is painful. Humanly speaking, this is really scary. But as the people of God, this is spiritually, we need to be ready and understand that at these very times of extremity and disruption, these are the times when God comes close. It's true personally, but it's also true corporately. And so many of us are literally shaking in our boots at the moment, humanly speaking. But as people of God, full of the Spirit, it's really praying out to God. There are so many opportunities to share hope and love and the comfort that comes from the Holy Spirit. So there's some quite frightening words here um, that people use at such times. And again, I've been listening to uh, people who are Christians and, and not Christians talking about a time of cataclysm, which is a time of catastrophe, a time of apocalypse, which is a time of unveiling of as things really are. Um, so what is coming up, we, kinda, we can live in denial a lot of the time, but actually what's happening at the moment is we are beginning to see 
really how desperate the situation is in our world. And it's an existential crisis. Um, and you've heard the Collins Dictionary uh, Word of the Year. The Collins Dictionary Word of the Year. Is it anyone hear this on the news this week? Perma-crisis. It's almost like we feels like we're in a permanent crisis. Um, but what you think, this is really depressing, Jill, why you keep telling us about this. Um, I think we need to be able to stand in the grief because this is a thin place and this is where the Spirit of God wants to come. He has got some answers. Um, it is a thin place. These places are doorways and portals and gateways for God's Spirit to come, both corporately but also individually. Um, yeah. God acts and change is possible, and that's what I believe. It is a Kairos, Kairos times. And so we've got to be people that feel it humanly, but in our spirits, we are ready. And it might seem little things like your pop up cafe, little things, mustard seed things, but God is going to use them as people, and we know about the food banks and the, 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 things that, uh, the, the things that the church is opening, warm spaces. Um, these are times for people to come and to be able to share. And as they share about the perma-crisis, we have something else to share. And that's why we need to be people that are experiencing the comfort of God. So, How did Jesus release the kingdom? How did Jesus birth the church? He suffered grief and loss. He felt it in his body on the tree. He was a man of sorrows. And he was acquainted with our grief. Surely our griefs he himself bore. And our sorrows he himself carried. So if you kind of want to know why this is important to be able to be a grieving community and grieve with those that grieve, it's because as a breakthrough, because we know what happened. <laughs> we know what happened. Jesus went down into hell. He punched back up into life through the resurrection. And it was that process of grief and loss that he experienced psychologically and physically and spiritually punched a hole through. It will be no different for us. Sometimes I think we expect to bypass the grief and the Holy Spirit says no. There is an anointing of the Spirit for comfort. Can we receive that? Can we receive that? So um, there's a guy there's a guy called Rick Warren. I don't know whether some of you have heard him. He wrote The Purpose Driven Life and um, this is what he wrote, and um, I'll tell you first what happened to, to him. Some of you will have heard his story. The pastor, again, in a, a church in the States, and his, his, his son in his 20s uh, committed suicide, shot himself. Uh, this was in 2013, and Rick Warren and his family, you can imagine, you can imagine the grief. Um, and <laughs> this is what Rick Warren says. He says, grief... Um, is such an emotionally fraught process. I mean, he went underground for three months, didn't talk to anybody. He was so fragmented. Um, 
he said, but it will change you. You are not the same person afterwards because potentially grief, if you go through that grieving process with God, it will bring you out to a larger, deeper place. And that's the title of that chapter, isn't it? Enlarge your soul. Is it possible? How does your soul get enlarged through grief and loss? Well, this is, I think this is a really powerful quote. Um, no success without growth. No growth without change. No change without loss. No loss without pain. And we're all going through, you know, you're going through a transition process as a church, aren't you? And there's something that needs to be expressed and talked through and moving through it with the, with the help of the Holy Spirit. So experiencing loss, I've got my eye on the time, um, is experiencing grief and loss is part of being human, as I've said. So I'm moving away from the, the corporate and what's happening globally. And I'm coming back to some very personal losses. And um, again, I used to think that grief was all about when you lost someone physically and they died. And as I've gone through my decades, I've realized that actually there are all the way through the lifespan, there are little losses. And there's this phrase that therapists use, which is, yes, there are, there is death, physical loss, but there are also many living losses. And here's, I haven't got the time to go through them, but these are some of the living losses that we don't even notice sometimes. So a relationship loss would be, yes, it might be physically, we're grieving for someone who we loved, who died, but it may be a divorce. And some of these living losses can feel even more painful than if somebody died. I've talked to many divorced people who said, it's worse than if he died or she had died. Developmental loss, well, that sounds a bit complicated. It just means that right through your lifespan, um, you, ex you know, there are gains. So, you know, for example, your first loss is when you leave the womb. Oh, what a shock. And maybe your second loss is when you, uh, your mother weans you, and you can't have the bottle or the breast, and you have to chew this banana instead. <laughs> That's a loss. And so, of course, the baby has to grow, so it's a positive thing. But along with all the gains, there are these losses. Oh, we don't like it. And there's an emotional process that we need to go through. I, I could go through the lifespan. It's really, really interesting. Um, and God wants to be with us all the way through. And he wants us to notice. I'll just tell you a quick story. Then I'm going to ask Phil to tell us a quick story about, um, I was, one week I felt really out of sorts. I'm um, going through the decades of my life. Wasn't I? I must have been in my late 40s. And I thought, why are you out of sorts, Jill? And I, I had no idea. And then I remembered on Tuesday, I, I had some tears. I was out in the garden. I was pinning up my youngest daughter's school uniform on the line. And I, why am I crying? Um, you can see I was well, not very good myself at this feeling stuff. Um, I didn't clock that actually it was the last time I would ever hang up my child. I didn't, I wouldn't have a child at school anymore. Um, and I thought, oh, that hurts. It's a good thing, but it hurts. Can I just take some time um, to say that's, Ouch. And to pray about that and say, Lord, I accept that 
um, I accept that this is happening, can you help me get through this bit? And it's even worse at other moments, isn't it, in life where you, you lose something bigger. So Phil, quick, just give us a quick one. Oh, you don't want that one. <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, so in some ways this is a bit, I feel this is still a bit work in progress, so if I don't hold everything together, just bear with me. But um, it's on the lines of loss, uh, and I realised when I was about 13, well, going back, I had a best friend at school from about the age of eight to when I was 13, and we were very, very close, and I wasn't a kind of very extroverted boy, so I was fairly introverted, so having a, a close friend was just what you need. Um, well, you probably need others, but you need somebody. And when I was about 13, I think, um, he was American, um, complicated situation, but he emigrated back to America. Um, and looking back, um, I realized that I, my reaction to it was like completely blank. I just got on with life. And, <coughs> and, I, and it was such a huge loss. And when I was 13, I, didn't, I wasn't a Christian. I had no idea what to do, so I did nothing, shut it all down, made no response. We wrote letters a few times, but in the end, I think I just tailed off. I thought, there's nothing in this. Um, and I think the Lord, the Lord reminded me of this a few years ago, first off, and I think he's reminding me of it again now, um, that, you know, that affected me from that age, and I kind of lost my way for years, a few years. I became a Christian when I was 17 or 16. So for some years, I was just like uh, nowhere. But I, I didn't realize that that loss had had such an impact in my soul, if you like, and in my subconscious. And I, I recognized that, and I probably need to work through this uh, more and process it more. Not, you know, I think we could probably all delve in our past and dig something up. But, you know, there's things that come to mind. You think, yeah, that was a thing. That really was something in me. And it was as if he died, basically. I knew I was never going to see him again. Um, and I didn't process it at the age of 13. And I think it affected me when I was a young Christian. I recognize now there's certain ways I acted that were, you know, and relationships, it's always a tricky one, but I probably didn't commit very well and don't commit very well because I thought, well, they're going to disappear, aren't they? So I can't do that. Um, and the Lord, I think over the years, the Lord has ministered a lot and changed me vastly as hopefully... <laughs> My, my dear wife would tell, tell me. But I think there's always more to do. And I think on this one, there probably is. Um, so, you know, that was unexpected. And I think there may be things in all our lives where we think, I never realized that was a loss. I never realized that was something I needed to process. So. Thanks, Phil. That's such a helpful, helpful example. I think it's, it's not, I, I completely agree, it's not something we need to trawl through our whole life, but it's really only something that's coming up in the present. And often when we're in worship or we're at home and a memory comes, that memory will come back for a reason. And you, could, you don't need to go and book with a counsellor, although, you know, that's possible. But you need to process it with, with, with God. And it's, ha it's how we do this, isn't it? So I'm not going to say much about the other two, um, but obviously when you lose things, um, that's, that can be really difficult as well. And sometimes when we have a loss, we, we actually lose our identity. So if you have a health issue or you're um, disabled in some way and that happens to you at some stage in your life or you have to 
be wheeled around in a wheelchair, that is a, it's an identity loss if you're made redundant. Suddenly you're not, the money's not coming in and that's an identity loss. So there are lots of these losses. So the thing is that we've all got these stories. Um, it's whether we can just allow them. Even in our worship time, if something's coming up for you and Ben says, um, we'd really love to pray for you. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. Um, even little, little things, you know, hanging your daughter's um, school uniform up on the line. There's sorts of things. God cares about the little things. Um, so I'm sure one or two things will be coming to mind as, I, as, as I'm talking. Um, but I just want to say a few things about the grieving process uh, before we finish, which is I think grief can be really raw experience. It can be, I sometimes call it undomesticated. It's very unruly. Um, and it was Rick Warren, I think, um, that said, grief is individual and there's no right way to grieve. Sometimes the deeper the grief, the fewer the words. Grief comes in waves, which is why you've got this picture. One minute we can handle it, and another minute we can't. It doesn't mean you're cracking up, but sometimes it can feel like you're on the edge. Reach out. Reach out to God. Tell someone. Get them to pray for you. Um, my wave of grief doesn't match your wave of grief. Um, and one thing I think is really helpful to understand so is... Don't assume, <laughs> don't assume that when someone has lost something and you've lost something similar, you're going through the same thing. I remember I made a big mistake once when I said, I know how you feel. And somebody was really quite blunt with me and said, you really don't know how I feel. Um, you don't know what they're going through. You might have experienced something similar and you can, you can enlist that, but don't say that that's what they're experiencing because what they're experiencing may be different. So here are some of the emotions, and it looks like um, this is not just emotions. Some of these are uh, stages of grief um, <coughs> some of you may have heard of. It's certainly not a linear process, but we are often in denial about something. Unfortunately, that, denials, that denial stage is normal, natural, human. It's nature's anesthetic. Um, we need not to feel because it's too much. It's okay not to feel initially. Um, but sometimes that gets, it stays, it goes on for too long. We feel sad. Doesn't mean you need necessarily antidepressants. Sad is normal. Sad is a human, clean feeling. And if you express it and cry, it will pass. It's like that wave. Anger. We many times feel very angry in a loss. And sometimes that anger is valid. Um, Read the Psalms. David and the psalmist were very, very angry. They did, he, did he hold it in? No, he did not. He got it out. And it's this exchange process of get it out. Sometimes we, the anger is valid. Sometimes the anger is displaced. And we blame the person. We blame God. And we blame, we don't, yeah, sometimes we blame the doctor. We blame the hospital or whatever. Um, Sometimes there's bargaining that goes on, and that bargaining is a kind of 
Sometimes we make an inner vow. I, I'll never this or I'll never that. Or we, um, we want an explanation. Because we're such cognitive creatures and live in our minds such a lot, we just want to know why. And the thing is, you probably won't ever know why until you meet Jesus. So we, it's a very slow process, but we can move towards a place of acceptance because we do learn to rebuild our life, but it is a messy process. Um, and the, the final one is, a, is about finding meaning through the loss. And I would say, having lost both of my parents um, and lost, yeah, through my life quite a you know, number of things, that, that the time when I lost something and I took that to God and asked God to meet me in it, those were the times when I grew. Those were the times when God was close and I, lean, you know, I lent on him, as it were. Those are the times when we get to know God better rather than going through it alone. I think what's so painful about grief is we go through it alone and we don't talk about it. Not even sometimes to ourselves. So although, <laughs> although it looked, that looked a nice, neat, linear process, I just wanted to express the, the experience of loss and grief can really feel like a tangled up ball, um, a tangled ball of emotion. Um, it, it sometimes can feel, you know, when, when am I going to feel okay about again? It's, it can feel quite disorientating. But that is normal. That is normal. You just need to get hold of some safe handrails. So, just one or two things about emotion, and then we're going to just do a simple exercise at the end, which where we can experience together receiving the comfort of God. Does that sound good? Okay, stay with me. Um, there are lots of blocks to grieving. I would like to go through them. So I'm not going to go through them very quickly, but there are three quick things, two, two main areas. One of them that stops us grieving is that we have these myths or we have these beliefs about emotion that actually stop us. So I've, some of you can read them for yourself. There's something wrong with me if I feel sad. Am I normal? I've heard many men say this, to be emotional is to be weak. Um, not just men, though, women as well. Um, we it happened to me yesterday. I was talking to someone, and they, they were telling me about a difficult thing in the office, and they said, oh, but I've got to be positive. And I said... Yeah, you're a really positive person, but tell me more about what, how difficult it is. And, and she was saying, but, you know, well, I'm really lucky to have a job. I shouldn't complain. So that comparison with others, um, that stops us from, from experiencing emotion. Some of us think emotions are really dangerous and will overwhelm us. And then there's the, the, the cracking one at the end, which is, you're not a good Christian. It's really unspiritual if you feel sad. You can't go to church if you feel sad. You haven't got more faith. You should have more faith. If you, have, you know, I've heard Christians say that to each other. Have faith, sister. No, let her cry. <laughs> let her cry. Okay, and the other thing, which is, um, you know, I don't know if this is a professional football team, but we have these um, defense mechanisms or coping strategies or avoidance strategies. One thing we do is we keep busy and we distract 
one thing is we put it in a box and compartmentalize. Sometimes we go up in our heads and rationalize. Sometimes we spiritualize. Sometimes we displace emotion into our body. Um, and our body's telling us something's not right. I can tell you lots of stories from working psychosomatically in a GP surgery where people, you know, an Indian lady who was suffering from grief um, and she couldn't express it for very good reasons and she had swollen joints and the GP said, it's nothing I can do for you, go and see the therapist. She's looking at me and saying, what? What are you going to do for me? And I said, We're gonna I'm going to teach you how to grieve. And in six months' time, the joints were healed. Now, you couldn't prove that scientifically, but I have lots of stories like that. And the other thing we do in our culture is we try to control everything, so everything's got to be in place. I'm one of those people. We have lists, and we tr control or fix. Okay, so now we're at the best bit, which is um, blessed. Blessed are those. Oh. We have a God <laughs> who died on a cross. And a bit like Chris said at the back, he is desperate to come into our grieving places. He does not want you to be alone in it. So um, I get quite emotional about this because I sit with people day after day after day who are alone in their grief, who don't think anybody wants to hear the story because they should be positive. And nobody listens to them really, and they feel bad for feeling rubbish. But we have a God who says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And that's the exchange. As we look at Jesus on the cross, and this is what the Israelites used to do a lot, didn't they, as they went into the tabernacle. And they saw on the altar the sacrifice, and their sin went into, onto the ox on the altar. And they believed that they let go of their sin and that they were washed clean. It's a bit like that with grief and loss. We are coming and we are grieving with Jesus. There's that exchange that takes place. And Jesus doesn't say that he's going to take our pain away. What Jesus says with these human losses is that I will be with you in it. And I never thought that would be enough, but it is. I will be with you in it. Jesus says, that's where I'll meet you, where you need me, where you're grieving, where you're sad, where you're angry. That's where I'll meet you. So I'm just going to invite you as I finish to, let's, I've talked about it, let's do something together. And I want to invite you, um, if you're happy to, to close your eyes and as I've been speaking, you've Maybe just something has come to mind, a, a loss that you've experienced. It might have been a disappointment or a separation from someone. could be someone's moved away out of the neighborhood. might be something small. And I want you to just look up in your mind's eye, in your heart, in your imagination. Just look up at Jesus, the one the man of sorrows who was acquainted with grief. And if you'd like to, it's, I find this really helpful, is just to put your hand right on, on your chest. 
And as you look up and look at Jesus and see him, some of you will be able to just even imagine his face. And that place where you feel the loss, and you may not be actually in touch with it right now, but you know there is a loss. Just sometimes this is mediated physically to us, where we can just feel that gentle pressure of our hand on our skin. Just receive, you might feel warmth from your hand. That's just almost representing God's presence and the warmth of his presence. Comfort can be mediated physically and just sense God's presence. That's where I'll meet you, in that very sore place. In that very sore spot, God says, I'm here. I'm not leaving you. You're not alone. You're not an orphan. Close, I'm holding you. I've got you. I've got this. You are loved. Just stay with it for a moment. Just stay with it. Just do that exchange. Just breathe a little bit more deeply. Take in a deeper breath. Open your heart up. Open your heart up. Open up to the love. Open up to the love. Let it in. Letting the love in. Letting the comfort in with your breath. Thank you, Father, that there is time to receive your comfort. The Holy Spirit is released to bring comfort to the brokenhearted. And we thank you for being so present with us, so personal. And we thank you, Lord, that grief. Grief is temporary, and joy is eternal. Help us to be a community, Lord, that listen and ask people, tell me more about that. Listen to their stories, just like Phil's story, just like the story I told. Help us to listen to people and to sense the pain that's there. Help us to be people that pray and are alongside those that mourn. So help us to mourn our own losses so that we can be present, so present for those that need to grieve theirs and that don't know you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so I just wanted to say one thing together, maybe say it three times. I just said it in my prayer. Grief is temporary, 
joy is eternal, okay? Should we say that together three times? <laughs> Grief is temporary. Joy is eternal. Grief is temporary. Joy is eternal. Grief is temporary. Joy is eternal.